Good evening, everyone. This is Brother Brennan coming to you live from Fayetteville, Arkansas, with another Fishers and Men video broadcast, and it is good to be here this evening for our Tuesday night Bible study. And uh, please do forgive me ahead of time. I am getting over a cold, so I might sound really stuffy up here. Uh, might cough a little bit. Um, just been kind of getting over and trying to kick this cold. Um, but also, on the same note, if you can pray for me, my gums are just, they're, uh, they're hurting. So I'm having some discomfort in my gums. Um, I cannot, um, I cannot afford to go to a dentist. Um, I don't have any dental insurance of any kind. Um, I've... Even if I went to a dentist, I wouldn't be able to afford any, uh, I personally would not be able to afford to be able to go and get any procedures done, uh, primarily because, um, I just, I'm literally, literally living from paycheck to paycheck, okay? So, if you can pray for my, for my gums, uh, pray for the rest of the, pray that, that I can kick this cold, as well as as kick this pain that I have here, um, it's just it's not pain. It's just very discomforting right now. Um, and I, of course, I just got done brushing my teeth not too long ago, uh, so I am a little bit discomforted in my gums. They're red and they are um, very um, inflamed. And so, if you can pray for me on that, I would greatly appreciate that very much. And, uh, as you see, um, I am doing this video, uh, live on Facebook, number one, and number two, I'm doing it in a different setting. Um, I am doing this broadcast in my room. I hope you guys don't mind. I am going to just want to try something else out and, uh, something that might be, uh, a little bit different on the way to go. Alright, so just bear with me, uh, pray for me, pray for the mess, pray for the, the message tonight, and the Bible study tonight, I should say, and uh, pray for me as I teach, and uh, pray that God would be glorified uh, through all this, and pray for the broadcast itself, okay, so you you keep keep my ministry in prayer, keep me in prayer, okay, Um but tonight, for our Bible study, we're going to be going through James chapter 3. James chapter 3 um, had a really hard time. It took me a week to try to get James chapter 2 up. And that was a lot of rigmarole. So hopefully this time it won't be as much of a rigmarole. Uh, so you uh, hopefully that you'll be blessed by it, okay? Um, but James chapter 3 is where we're going to be uh, tonight. Um, announcements, as far as announcements go, um, I did not preach. Um, I did not preach last Sunday. Um, that has been postponed to the 7th of... of uh, I'm, my mind is going everywhere. November 7th is when I will be preaching... And, uh, it was supposed to be, it was supposed, it was supposed to be the 24th, but it got postponed to November 7th. So 
Mark that in your calendars, November 7th. Um, there will be no Fishers of Men broadcast um, because I will be preaching that Sunday evening, Lord willing. So uh, I do apologize if, uh, if I got to bring this up a little bit closer. Um, just sort of bear with me, okay? I'm a little groggy. So just bear with me, okay? Uh, so James chapter, so that's all, that's really all the announcements that I have. Um, my mouth is kind of, you know, it's really weird. Um, what else? No, I think that's all the announcements. So we're going to go ahead and get started with James 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. And this is going to probably be a very short teaching. Um, this is only 18 verses long, okay? So it's a very short chapter. I think the remaining, um, the remaining uh, of James is actually quite short. So, but there's a lot of information in here, though. So we'll be going through some stuff tonight. But James chapter three, and uh, let's start in verse one. It says, "My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive." The greater condemnation. Okay. We are not to be many masters. Okay. Um, now, with this verse. Okay. What this is talking about is. Um, there's probably a lot of people who desire the, who desire the calling of preaching. Or to preach and pastor. Uh, there are many that may have that desire to to be called to pastor, but yet may not have that calling. Okay? Now, understand, for those who are truly called to pastor, for those who are truly called in church leadership, whether, you know, pastor, deacon, or any type of leadership, any church leadership, okay, you have to understand that when you, when people are actually called into these positions, they have a greater responsibility, their judgment will be greater because they are indeed leaders of the church. Okay, so Luke chapter 12 Verse 48, but he that knew not and did not, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required, and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. So, when you are in a position of leadership in the church, um, or if you are called to be a deacon, okay, to whom much is given, much shall be required of you, okay? There's a lot that goes into being a deacon. More so, there is a lot that, there's a lot that goes into being a pastor, and a pastor does not just get up and just preach and teach, though that's what he does. He also does a lot of other things. You know, he he goes on 
calls, he, he looks after his congregation, he makes hospital visits, he does all sorts of things behind the scenes. But with that, but with such a high calling, there is much responsibility. So, when you come, when a person becomes a pastor, they will have to answer for more on the day of on, on the day of judgment. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, on the day of judgment, a pastor will not have to just not will not just answer for himself and for what the things that he's done. But he's also going to give an account to what he preached, what he taught, the stuff that he, just like just anything that you can think of. He will have to give an account because he God had placed him as the overseer and bishop of that church. He is also answerable. He also has to answer to how he kept his flock. And that is no light thing. Okay, and it's no light thing because we're talking about eternity here. Okay, we're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about something greater than being president. Say, for an example, being president of the United States of America is a very stressful job. But so is being a pastor, because a pastor is going to have to give an account, not just for himself, but he's also going to have to give an account to how he oversaw his flock. <coughs> and everything that he's ever said or taught, he will have to give an account for. Now, so we see that we see, we, we see here from this first verse and also in Luke that they go together. Okay? Don't be many masters. Because if you are a master, you're going to be held accountable for a lot. So therefore, pastors, don't get me wrong, to being a bishop is a good work. But it's also a hard work. A work of commitment, a work of commitment, not just to the Lord, but a work of commitment to your flock. And because you're in such, is in a such high position, you will have a greater judgment. You will have your, you, there are going to be things that, as a, as a pastor or a deacon, there are going to be things that you are going to have to answer for. I mean, your judgment's going to be more than the rest because you are in a position of leadership. Okay? Now, that's what that verse, verse is talking about in James. Also, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Desiring to be teachers of the law, Understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. 
Now, let's read on here in verse 2. It says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle it the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Now, James here is then talking about the tongue. Okay, he's talking about the tongue. And uh, about bridling the tongue. And he's talking about, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. Okay? So when you want a horse to obey you, you, we put bits in their mouths so that if you want them to turn, they'll turn. Okay? So James goes from, Starting off and saying, don't be many masters. And then he gets into talking about and starting to talk about the tongue. Now, in Psalm 39, Psalm chapter 39, verse 1, it says, I said, I will take you to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Okay. So we're starting to see that James is going to be talking about the tongue and the power of it. And he demonstrates that by saying that we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us. Now, continuing on, James then gets into the demonstration of a ship. In verse 4, it says, Behold, also the ships which... Though they be so great, and are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a small helm, whatsoever the, the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23, it said, Whoso, whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3, it says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, In the multitude of words, there Wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. So, when you have times when you get angry and frustrated, and you know someone has wronged you and you're mad at them, sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut. Then to say or do something you are going to later regret. And the Bible says that he that refraineth his lips is wise. So when you get when when someone has wronged you and you're mad at them and you want to get angry at them, but yet you keep your mouth shut, the Bible calls you wise. Why? Because if you say, because if you're mad at someone and you start 
you, you know, when you give in to that anger, you're going to say and do things that you're going to later regret. And what do I mean by that? Meaning you're going to say and do things you wish you hadn't. Why? Because now, when you've already committed those things, now you have to go back and repent for it and apologize to the, to the person that you've wronged. So when someone makes you angry and you get ang and you have anger towards them and you do something and you lash out because of that anger, well, guess what? They've wronged you and now you've wronged them. It is better for them to have wronged you and for you to keep quiet and to you and for you to have a loving and forgiving spirit about you than for them to wrong you and then you come back and wrong them because they wronged you. Two wrongs don't make a right. When you're angry and when you're bittered, you're better off keeping your mouth shut because you don't want to say something or do something that you're going to later regret. Now, in verse 6 of James 3, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. And it setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. Now, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, it says, Not that which goeth into the mouth that defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Okay? And so, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Your tongue is what helps you form your words. Okay, and so what you say comes out of your mouth. And Jesus says that it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Why? Because what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. And so we, we see that when we say and do things, that's why we have to be careful to... to you know, when we're mad and upset at people, this is why we need to be careful what we say and do. Because what comes out of you is going to uh, defile, defile you, right? And what defiles you? It's sin. And we have a sin nature. We have a wicked heart. Sometimes, and a lot of times, it's better to keep quiet. You know, it's like that saying, silence is golden. You know, there is a time to speak, but there's also a time to keep quiet. And you'll know when, you'll know which is which when the time comes. Now, in Psalm 120, verses 2 through 3. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? 
in Proverbs chapter 16, verses 26 through 27. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. Think about that. And a wicked man's lips is as a burning fire. And so is the tongue. James says in the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. You know, a ship is really huge. A ship is really huge and big. But it is controlled by a tiny little rudder. Tiny little rudder. It controls the ship's movements. A little tiny thing controls the ship's movements. And in the same manner, so is your tongue. The tongue is a little member in your body. And yet it can set, it can set a course on fire. This is why we got to watch what we say. Watch what you say and do. Because what you say and do comes from your heart. And what comes out of the heart is what defiles you. Now, in verse 7 it says, For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison in psalm 140 verse 3 it says they have sharpened their tongues like a serpent adder's poison is under their lips selah in proverbs chapter 17 verse 20 it says, he that hath a froward heart findeth no good. And he that hath a, a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 11 through 12. It says, surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. But the lips of a fool will swallow him, swallow up himself. You know what serpents do? Serpents devour their prey. Serpents just swallow their prey. They devour them. They swallow. They swallow up their prey. You know that's what the lips of a fool does. The lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The lips of a fool are is like that serpent that will swallow up his prey, except he swallows up himself. In Romans chapter three, verse thirteen through uh, thirteen through fourteen, it says, "Their throat is an open sepulchre." With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. 
an open open sepulcher. Amen. Now, let's pick up here in verse 9. It says, Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith we Therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Okay, okay, we see that here uh, in Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six to twenty seven, and God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the, all the earth, and over all." And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, so God created man in his own image. And the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 7, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So we see that we are created into God's image. <clears throat> and James here is talking about the tongue. Now he's going to get into the point as to why he got into the, the tongue. He gets in, into, uh, he gets into, uh, you know, he, he gets into uh, some more, I hate to say examples, but... Basically, he, he James explains himself further, and he explains that we with our tongues we bless God and curse man. I don't know about you, but that. Is a very hypocritical person. How many of us have we done that? How many of us. Say oh praise God. Bless God. And then. How many of us with that same mouth. Outside of church. When somebody cuts us off. How many of us. Say, oh, what a nut job. We get mad and angry and start cursing. What the bleep, 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 Is the man with that bleep, bleep, bleep? question is how can we live like that it's a double standard it's a two-faced it's a two-faced standard we bless god with our words but we curse man and we don't realize here's what we don't realize Verse 10. 
out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. <clears throat> How can we bless God and yet curse our neighbor? Because our neighbor is made in the image of God. Let us make man in our image. Now when I say that he's in the image of God, I'm not saying that he's saved. What I'm saying is we shouldn't be blessing God and then cursing our neighbor. Because aren't you are because if we're blessing God and cursing our neighbor, are we not cursing God? Think about that. Are you not cursing God if you curse man? Jesus said, whatever you've done unto these little ones, you've done, you've done it unto me. You know, when Saul was persecuting the church, you know what Jesus said to Saul? Jesus said to Saul, he said, Saul, Saul, why, why persecutest thou me? Think about that. Saul was an example of this. He claimed to, I mean, he blessed God and yet he went after the church. He was a religious Pharisee. Blessing God with his lips and yet he went after the church. He went after Christians. And James said, this must not be so. We're not to bless God and curse man. This ought not to be. But it says, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Ought not so to be. First of all, how can we... <coughs> How can blessing and cursing coexist? Blessing and cursing are two, they're opposites. You cannot have blessing and cursing together. You just can't. They are opposites. Now in verse 11... Verse 11 through 12, it says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. In Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 7 it says, As a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness. Violence and spoil is heard in her. 
before me continually is grief and wounds. <coughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 20, it says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that beareth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know that ye shall know them. Now I, I want to get to something here, okay? <coughs> So, how many of you guys watching know the yin-yang symbol? Okay, the yin-yang symbol basically says that in goodness there is a little evil. Okay, and that in evil there's a little goodness. Okay, so let me say that again. So the yin-yang symbol is this. And that in all good people, there's a little bit of evil. And all evil and wickedness, there's a little good. Well, there's a problem with that, okay? Number one, it's not biblical. Because the Bible says that God is light. And in Him, there is no darkness. So light and darkness cannot coexist together. Okay? Therefore, you cannot have good and evil mixed into one another. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because God is all good and there is no wickedness within God. Okay? There is no wickedness in God. In other words, you're either evil or you are good. There is no cross between the two. A good tree, in the yang-yang philosophy, they'll say that a good tree can produce some bad fruit and a bad tree could produce some good fruit. But we know this from scripture that this is not right. Because Jesus said that a good tree only produces good fruit. And only bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So we see here in Matthew chapter 7 as to why the yin-yang symbol is antichrist and not biblical. The yin-yang symbol does not work. It is an antichrist philosophy. And so we see here in James. James poses a question. Does the fountain send forth at the same place sweet Water and bitter? No. We know the answer to that is no. You cannot have sweet water and bitter at the same fountain. 
Either that fountain will have sweet water or it will have bitter water, but it cannot have both. And we see that James answers it in verse 12. But he poses another question before that. He says, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? And then he answers the question. So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh? You see, James poses a question, and with that question, he gives the answer to the fountain. Because the answer to the fountain is the same exact one of the fig tree. You cannot have a you cannot have all good with a little evil, and you cannot have all evil with a little good. It does not work that way. The yin yang symbol is a false enlightenment that Satan will deceive you with if you're not if you don't if you're not born again and if you're not in the word of God if you don't know the word of God you will be deceived because the word of God is truth Jesus Christ is truth and it's by him that we are made free and if you know the truth, and if the Son of Man has made you free, you are free indeed. Do not be sucked into this occultic enlightenment thinking that there is a little evil and good, and there's a little good and evil. For Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of himself. There is no good in Satan. Don't ever think there is. The devil wants to lie to you into thinking that he is a good being, and he is not. He is not. Now, let's continue on here in verse 13. It says, Who is a wise man and endured with knowledge among you? Let him shoot out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. In James chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Shew me thy faith without thy works, and I will shew thee my faith by my works. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 through 16, it says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God, in the day of visitation. 
Now in verse 14 of James 3. But if ye have bitter, bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. If ye have bitter and envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. In Romans chapter 2, verse 8, it says, But unto them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, it says, For I fear, lest when I come... I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. In James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin, sins. Now, going on to verse 15 in James chapter 3. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. But if ye have bitterness and envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. So, bitter and envying and strife is sin. Sin, when there's sin, there comes foolishness. And we know, <clears throat> we know that the war, the the world's wisdom, is not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses nineteen through twenty: For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God; for it is written. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5-6, through six, That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are, that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Last verse, and we'll finish up. We'll finish the chapter up. Uh, well, last verse of this section, and we'll finish up the, 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 the book. Or not the book, but the chapter. Sorry. 
First <clears throat> Corinthians chapter two verse fourteen it says, "But the natural man receiveth not the things of this, not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned." I um. I once did a message. I want you guys to go check check out it. And I'll post this on Facebook, okay? Um, it's a message called For Spiritual Eyes Only. And that message is actually a message I preached surrounded this particular verse. For It's called For Spiritual Eyes Only. I will be sure to put the link of that message in with the uh, video so you guys can go to it. I think I would recommend it. Go check it out. Hopefully it's a blessing to you guys. But go check it out. Okay, because I explain more of that verse in a little bit more in detail, okay? So you all have to check that out. Now, let's continue on and uh, let's finish off the chapter. Let's finish, uh, let's finish this thing off. Let's start up in verse 16. It says, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, in Luke chapter 6, verse 36 be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Be merciful towards one another. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 11, Let love be without dissimulation, and poor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In Titus chapter 3, verse 2 through 4, it says, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, shewing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also are sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice, and envy, hateful, and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. Second Corinthians 6, 6, By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. And Second Corinthians chapter seven verse eleven. For behold, the selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea. What revenge? In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this manner. 
Now, we see here that true wisdom comes from above. It is that pure wisdom. That pure good wisdom. Full of mercy and good fruits. And it's without hypocrisy and without partiality. In other words, without hypocrisy and without a respect of persons. Now, last verse. Last verse and we'll close with some more verses. Last verse of the chapter. Verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Okay. Verse. Okay. So Isaiah chapter 32 verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 18 through 19. The wicked worketh. A deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. In Hosea chapter 10, verses 12 to 13, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come. And rain righteousness upon you. Ye have plowed wickedness. Ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies. Because thou didst trust in thy way. In the multitude of thy mighty men. Last verse. And, and we'll do some close. Well, I want to close with some thoughts. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7-9. through nine, It says be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now it says, For whatsoever man soweth, that he shall also reap. So sowing and reaping. Now many of you probably heard about karma. Okay? Karma. And he, the reason why karma is unbiblical is because karma says if you do good, you get good, and you do bad, you get bad. Meaning that you get what you deserved. Now let me tell you something. If karma is real, if karma is real, then every single one of us should go to hell, including myself. If karma is real, then every one of us should end up in hell. Do you know why? Because... We all deserve hell. 
don't let people fool you into thinking that karma is real because karma is not biblical. Karma says you get what you deserved. You know what Jesus says? You get what you don't deserve. And if you get what you don't deserve, then it's no and it's 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 not karma. So don't let people try to con you into thinking that karma is the real deal. Because if karma is the real deal, then all of us should end up in hell. Because we all deserve hell. But can I can I give you a newsflash on something? Life is not fair. Let me repeat that to you because that's a very profound statement. Life isn't fair. Life's not fair. You want to know something? That's the whole mentality of the New World Order. Because the New World Order says, why... If, if we can't have that, then they can't have that. It's entitlement. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people nowadays that have a entitled attitude. They're always entitled to an answer. They're always entitled to this or to that. Let me tell you something. You're not entitled to nothing truth of the matter is life is not fair if you want if listen if you want to know what's if you want to know what is fair it's all of us going to hell that's fair but life is not fair well life isn't fair yeah you're right life isn't fair I think some people need to grow up hair get a backbone suck it up be men and tough it out, whether they like it or not. Life is not fair. If life was fair, we deserve to be in hell. Now, going back to karma. Karma says, you do good, you'll get good. You do bad, you get bad. You get what you deserve. Now, some will say, well, sowing and reaping, that's karma. No, it's not. Sowing and reaping is not karma. I had someone try to con me. I had someone try to convince me of that. It is not. Sowing and reaping is not karma. Don't, I don't want to hear that from people. That's a bunch of fooey nonsense from the pit of hell. You get what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap hell. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap hell. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. And by the way, let me just prove to you. Let me prove to you it's not karma. Because sowing and reaping is actually a personal choice. 
There's a choice in the matter. You could choose to sow to the, 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 the spirit. That's your choice. And what if you sow onto that, you're gonna reap you're gonna reap eternal you're gonna there's eternal stuff that you're gonna reap from that. But if you choose to sow to the flesh, you're just gonna reap corruption in hell. You see, when you get things that you don't deserve, that's not on you. I mean, if you go and get saved, okay, I, I probably said that wrong, okay? I'm, listen, I'm getting over a cold. My mind is going 110 miles an hour, so don't mind me. I'm babbling. I shouldn't do that. But, listen, when you sow, what you sow is what, what, what you sow, you will reap. And if karma was what it was can I, can I ask you a question if we got what we deserved how is it that a wicked sinner like myself is extremely blessed why is a wicked sinner such as myself why am I blessed and I'm not saying that to be to be puffed up or to be a blowhard. But I'm, that's a serious question. If you are born again and you are a dirty, rotten sinner saved by grace through faith, how is it that you're blessed? How? Because if you're a dirty, if we're dirty, rotten sinners, we really should be getting judgment we should be getting all these negative things towards us can anyone answer that here's a here here's the ultimate question if we got what we deserved how is it that Saul who became Paul got saved. And Paul was a sinner. He was the chief of sinners. And yet he got saved. Karma says do good get good. Do bad get bad. Why did Saul, why did Saul get saved? Do you see now that karma is not biblical? Karma is not biblical. Like the yin-yang symbol, karma is an antichrist way of thinking. It is. Karma is an antichrist philosophy. The yin-yang symbol is an antichrist philosophy. Why? Because the yin-yang symbol says there's a little bit of evil and good, and there's a little bit of good and evil. You see how antichrist that is? 
The yin-yang symbol is Antichrist. Karma is an Antichrist philosophy. It is. Karma says you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. I, listen, that's not, that's, no, that's not how that works. If you're the worst sinner on the face of the earth, which I highly doubt, <coughs> but if you're like the worst sinner, you could still get good come at you. It's called God's grace. And you know what God's grace is? Saving grace. So don't ever let anyone con you into thinking that karma is biblical because it's not. Don't let anyone con you into thinking that sowing and reaping is karma because it's not. It's not. Sowing and reaping You can choose to sow in one area or not. But if you're but if you do bad, you don't get a choice. You just get bad. Just saying. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not perfect. I can be wrong. Amen. So, listen, I love you guys. Hopefully this was a, a good teaching. Hopefully that you guys all learned something from this. I want you guys to think about what I, what, I, what I just taught on this evening, okay? Think about it. Pray about it. Think about it. And you take what I say and you compare it to what the Bible says. And if what I say is different than what the Bible says, then let God be true and Brandon be a liar. If I'm wrong, then one of these days I'll stand before God and give an account for what I taught. But if I'm right, I pray that God would show you what I'm talking to you about. Amen. So, alright guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Um, next, I don't know what I'm going to do about Sunday, so we'll take that, Lord willing, um, pray for me though, pray for me, um, next week, Lord willing, we will get into James chapter 4, okay, James chapter 4 will be next week, so stay tuned for that, okay, um, November 7th is when I will preach, so no broadcast on that Sunday evening. Um, I think that's going to be it. So other than that, I don't have anything else. Um, but listen, guys, I love you. And I hope that you guys will, can learn something from this. Um, please feel free to share these with others. Um, don't need. Please don't wait for my permission because I'm giving you that permission. Do share these videos as the Lord directs. Okay, and uh, if you like, if you like these messages and you like what the Lord is doing, feel free to share, like, or feel free to subscribe, share, like, comment, share, like, subscribe, comment, thumbs up, um, and uh, and share it with others. Okay, 
And uh, let's get the word of God out there because the word of God needs to get out. Amen. So please pray for me. Pray for my health. Pray for my gums. Um, pray for the ministry. Pray for the, the message. Pray that uh, God will use it to his glory and for his honor. Amen. And for his kingdom. So other than that, that's going to be it for tonight. I love you guys. God bless you. You guys have a fantastic and blessed evening. And, uh, you know, Lord willing, uh, we will, I will be on here for Friday for, uh, for fellowship. So, um, Friday night fellowship, Lord, Lord willing will be Friday at eight o'clock. Okay. Eight o'clock. No, seven o'clock. Sorry, not eight. Seven o'clock this Friday night, Friday night fellowship. Amen. So other than that, that's going to be it for the night. Uh, God bless you guys. I love you. And uh, Lord willing, we will see you on Friday. God bless you guys. See ya. Love you. Bye.